here we go. Welcome to the Nine Rap Fantasy Football Podcast. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Pat and Rudy here giving you another episode of the Nine Route. We're uh, we're finally actually talking real football and not uh, what we think football for a change. <laughs> we, uh, we we have some week one stats and actually something to look at in the regular season that we can sort of draw from now instead of you know last season and preseason. So that's that's a good thing. What we're going to try to give you today is. Just a couple of waiver wire pickups. Obviously, you know, everybody drafts and we don't really know how things are going to shake out until the games actually count. So now that we have a little bit more information, we can make a little bit wiser decisions on on who to pick up, who should be in our lineups and on our benches and, and things of that nature. So we're going to give you some waiver wire pickups for the first week. And uh, we'll also give you our start sits for this week as well. Uh, just a little, a little alibi for us. We are recording this. This is, you're not going to hear this until after the Monday night game has already concluded, but we are recording prior to that game happening. So, you know, just so you know, a lot of the the stats and things that we're going to give you, uh, you know, if we miss anybody from either Las Vegas or Baltimore, it's because we haven't actually watched that game yet. So, uh, you know, we will address that stuff accordingly. I think we should just get right into it because I think we have a lot to talk about. There's a lot of action yesterday with these games yeah uh a lot of things happened in week one that we've seen except for this last game against the las vegas raiders and the baltimore ravens uh and they obviously have a lot going on uh on their own uh so we won't touch on them as much but yeah i, I think watching week one watching the quarterbacks on display watching dynamic offenses watching some players that you thought were going to be good and some come out of the woodwork it's all going to happen uh, one thing you can pull a little bit from is just to get an idea sometimes maybe with the targets and, and the different uh, levels of activity that a certain player had could be a small barometer for what they're going to put out this season on an average. Again, it's all going to be matchup based. It's going to be week to week. Uh, injuries are going to play a huge part. We already saw players go down a lot on the defensive side of the ball. You know, you don't want to see that happen, but when that does happen, for those of us in fantasy, uh, you know, you tend to get to be a little bit of a stat vulture and then turn around and look and say, OK, well, my guy's playing this team in week three and week four. Or you're going to look for a guy again, like we're going to talk about on the waiver wire that is, uh, you know, a, a one week darling. But we talked about it last week when it came to fab budgets and waiver periods and things like that. You, you're, you're better off uh, if you're going to drop somebody who's not going to play on your team to pick up one of these guys who could turn out to be. Uh, a top 10, a top 20 player in the league, you just happen to jump on it in week one, do it. That's what we're going to try to do today is give you an idea of some of these players that stood out in week one uh, and could be a, a standout player for you throughout the season. Maybe even supplant one of your top five picks uh, in your first five rounds. But again, your willingness to listen to what we have to say is one thing. Um, if not, just go with your gut. But we're going to try to give you some info and, and put you in the right path. All right. So. I think that uh, you know, like you talked about, some injuries on the defensive on the defensive side. There was also a pretty big injury on the offensive side that is is going to kind of bring up our first waiver wire candidate, and it's kind of the the guy that I think I'm looking at trying to pick up the most. Obviously, running back is you know the most coveted position in fantasy football, and when you see a guy like Raheem Mostert go down, who was slated to be a, the number one running back for a team who was going to run the ball quite a bit his backup it becomes a very valuable piece and i think everybody going in sort of assumed and thought that it was going to be the rookie trey sermon that backed him up but uh unfortunately we found out on sunday that it looks like elijah mitchell is actually the one who was raheem mostert's backup and yeah. uh, he had a he had a really great game i mean Mostert went down uh in the first quarter after just two carries and from there, Mitchell sort of took over. He ended up with uh, 19 carries for 104 yards and a touchdown. And it looks like, uh, according to the reports that I'm reading, that Mostert is going to be out for roughly eight weeks. So uh, I think grabbing Mitchell now is, uh, I mean, is he, he should probably be your number one waiver priority if you are, you know, a little thin at running back. 
he should probably be the guy that you go out and grab with that with that waiver priority uh spend some of that fab money on if if you you know if you so choose but uh yes you you may only get eight weeks out of them you may get less i mean there is always the danger that um you know now that mostert is hurt more than likely the 49ers will probably put him uh on the ir and uh open up a roster spot so that they can activate trey sermon and i do see sermon getting some carries moving forward uh, but obviously if you know like like kyle shanahan said if elijah mitchell beat him out for that number two job i mean unless sermon wows everybody uh with the opportunities that he gets in week two i just i don't see him totally taking over that number two job so i think mitchell will have at least some fantasy value until Mostert gets back at least and and then maybe depending on how well he plays maybe even after Mostert comes back it's going to be hard to tell elijah mitchell being pressed into into service again we were all under the impression that yes trey sermon was the name the guy he was you know, some people were overdrafting the heck out of him, figuring, oh, you know, he's definitely going to be the guy. He's definitely going to be the guy. And you see the dynamic change that is due to come in that offense where you're waiting for Trey Lance to take over. So you figure maybe they're in a, a form of a mini rebuild. And then to see Mitchell come through and Sermon not play. Uh, yeah, it, it, a lot of jaws hit the floor, especially if you're a Sermon owner. You were definitely not looking forward to seeing your guy not be involved uh, on the team as much as possible. I mean, look at it, San Fran from, from last year, uh, as far as their true rushing offense. I mean, they were about like a middle of the road team uh, when it came to running the ball, as far as yardage, uh, same thing when it came to attempts, they were right around there. So again, we, we picked the running backs based off of their running ability uh, as far as, you know, PPR leagues and, and mostly everybody plays in those. Now you're also going to look to pick him up based on his catching ability. Uh, looking at, Mitchell, he had no targets yesterday, but that doesn't mean that he won't be incorporated based on, you know, hey, look, we had to pick this up as it was going and, and Mostert was going to be this. And yeah, you know, they, 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 it was a weird game for, for him to go down. Mitchell have his numbers. It was a blowout in the first half. And then it was a, oh crap, comeback in the second half. Uh, picking Mitchell up right now is a no brainer. And Pat, you're 100% correct. I mean, he averaged over five yards a carry. He scored a touchdown. Uh, he had a 38 yard run. Uh, so it shows he's got big playability, and that was just on 19 carries. Obviously, the offense is going to redirect the game script to play off of somebody like that. Uh, San Fran is tend to, from what I've seen in the past, you know, they tend to be a little bit of a who's the hot hand. So uh, Tevin Coleman back in the day was now in the Jets with Mostert, um, Jeff Wilson, who is out on injury but should be back, you know, sooner than later. I think this season. So they will go with that. So unless you give Kyle Shanahan a reason to not play you, which it seems Sermon did, uh, yeah, Mitchell's going to be their guy. And I think right now, if you are an owner of Mostert or if you're somebody who's looking to just stock up on running backs and you have waiver priority uh, or you have a, a, you know, a large expense account in the, in the fab world, uh, definitely. I think Mitchell for right now is the guy. And again, once he's on your roster, People may come calling. Uh, he may get you a player that you need if you don't need him right now. But definitely Mitchell is, is one of your top, if not the top uh, running back waiver wire pickup, I think, for, for week one. Again, this is pre-Raiders, Ravens uh, that we're saying this. Yeah, we could we could definitely have, you know, three more Ravens running backs go down and all this. <laughs> hey. <other>. Yeah, <laughs> have a top when priority. Join the party. Hey, I'm willing to play. I mean, I, 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 I got a little left in the tank. You know, see what I I'll, can do. I'll play it's, for league minimum. It's pretty good. Hey, absolutely. You know, I'll do whatever needs to be done. I'm a team player. Yeah, you brought up a good point. Even sometimes if you don't need a player, uh, if you see value, it's just like in your draft. If you see value out there on the waiver wire and you can grab somebody, go ahead and do it. I mean, like you said, if it doesn't help you, you know, let's say let's say you're, you're really weak at, at uh, wide receiver, but you have really strong running backs. Go and grab Mitchell anyway, and then now you have a little, you know, a little bit of flexibility. You can trade him. You can trade another running back on your team to sort of, you know, bolster up that wide receiver position. So um, when you see guys who sort of pop with this with this kind of value, especially after injuries, it's hmm. it's important to remember that 
even though you may not necessarily play him, picking him up isn't always the worst thing for you to do for your fantasy team. No, it's, it's always bad. You're right. It's always good to have assets. If it turns out that you have somebody that somebody else needs, suddenly you have leverage. Again, so these players that we're talking about on the waiver wire may help you directly on a week-to-week basis. But if they're going to load up your bench and you make trades and you do things of that nature in your league, uh, again, he's a guy, again, in a best ball league, another player that you would want to have involved because, hey, he just adds to the roster. Um, Again, if you're out there to win, which all of us are, be aggressive. Take the guys that are putting up stats that are key players on the team because, again, you may not need them because you're just lucky enough to have a bevy of wide receivers and running backs and tight ends and so forth. Pick these players up. Another guy who showed that he has some value that I, I know that I definitely did not think it was the case was a fan favorite of ours, Kenneth Gainwell. I think going into the season, you and I both sort of thought that Boston Scott was was sort of the direct backup number two running back, so to speak, in Philadelphia. And we found out on Sunday that it, Nick Sirianni doesn't think that that's the case because Gainwell got in there. He got himself uh, nine carries and three targets, which he caught two of, uh, only six yards receiving, but uh, he did get the touchdown. He, he, get, he punched in the touchdown for that, uh, which should have been uh, Dallas Goddard's second, but uh, he, was, he was just a few few feet short there. Uh, Gainwell is a guy who I wasn't drafting at all, honestly, in, in redraft leagues. And I, obviously now I think that that was a wrong move. And I, don't, I mean, I don't think that he was one of these guys. He's, he wasn't a Trey Sermon. He wasn't a, a Javante Williams. He wasn't one of these rookies who the fantasy community kind of felt or thought that was going to supplant the starter. And he's not, he's not. Miles Sanders had a great game as well, but Gainwell showed that he has value. And if you can't get your hands on Elijah Mitchell, Gainwell is a, a really good consolation prize. I think uh, somebody else that you can go after who not only has some standalone value now, but if something were to happen to Miles Sanders, I think Gainwell just, I mean, he instantly becomes po- possibly a top 15 back with his skill set. Yeah. It's uh, funny you say that uh, about the drafting concept. I did actually in our league, I did pick him. Um, not you know, no pats on the back, just in the hopes that, you know, he's a player who can turn out to be as dynamic as hoped. He sat out last season in college from Memphis uh, with the COVID concepts and totally understandable. A lot of players did that. They had family that were compromised. Um, But his skill set overall and and what he brought to the table looked to make him, honestly, if he had played last year, he probably would have been a top two as far as first second round pick overall i think you know when it came to the when it came to the nfl draft he's got the total package he can catch out of the backfield he can run out of the backfield he can run between the tackles he can make big plays um he's a player who again depending on your team you want and yeah pat you said it like boston scott as far as eagles fans know he's the number two well Obviously, Gainwell getting involved the way he did yesterday and scoring a touchdown and and making some big plays, he's going to fill in adequately for Miles Sanders. Uh, Sanders himself was even quoted as saying that he learned things from Gainwell in training camp. Well, if a rookie comes in and you're a third-year incumbent and you're learning things from him, not saying anything bad about Sanders, but it just goes to show you that this guy comes with a bit of a pedigree. Kenneth Gainwell, to me, is a guy that you may not be starting him right away. Obviously, a Miles Sanders injury, he's going to be a, a, a top 15 running back. I think he actually has more potential to be a better running back than Sanders, just from what I've seen from Sanders with the drops, unless he's cleaned that up. Get him on your roster, have him in the back. And again, a Sanders owner could get itchy. He missed four games last year. Uh, he did drop a lot of balls last year. Another guy that uh, I was surprised by, and I know that you weren't because we had this discussion in our... <laughs> Uh, running backs episode that we recorded earlier in the preseason was Mark Ingram. Uh, you know, we we had talked about Houston's backfield and and sort of not really knowing who was going to come out of there and sort of be the lead guy. And I'm not saying Ingram has 100% locked up that role, but when Houston got out to that lead and you know decided rightfully to start running the ball and and running the clock, Ingram was the guy. He had 26 carries for. 85 yards and a touchdown. And honestly, he looked like he still 
you know, he he didn't have the the speed, but Mark Ingram was never really that kind of guy. He was a pounded in there, get you four or five yards, moves the sticks type of guy, a goal line guy, which uh, is how he got his his lone rushing touchdown. So I don't necessarily see Houston leading too many games. I didn't technically see them leading this game either. If you listen to our last podcast, I uh, think Rudy and I both sort of had Jacksonville kind of running away with that game. And that is not how that turned out at all. But I, I think that either way, if Houston trusts Ingram carrying the ball, I mean, I think he, if he's not rostered in your league, he's an absolute must pick up this week. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I want to apologize, um, you know, right off the bat. And you just said it for thinking that the Jaguars, uh, we're, we're just going to walk in there and just stomp them division game. You know, some people were high, not that I'm high on, on Trevor Lawrence, but I figured, okay, he'd have a decent day, but rookie quarterback, shaky offensive line, I think was the reasons we thought they'd maybe go with the run more. And then you want to enter one urban Meyer, uh, who's always been a college coach. He just got a shot at the pros. What he did to that team yesterday in Jacksonville. Uh, again, we're still talking about Mark Ingram, but you know, you have James Robinson, who had a phenomenal season for them last year, and you basically made the guy an afterthought. You gave Carlos Hyde the the lion's share of carries, so to speak, in the backfield. You put your rookie quarterback throwing over 50 times. You, you put your team in a position to lose. And Mark Ingram is a guy, you said it, Pat, who is a grind you down. He averaged 3.3 a carry yesterday. But you know what? That coach and, and a Tyrod Taylor, a quarterback, who is another guy who – always got overlooked when he was a starter uh, to see Mark Ingram taking the ball from him and just pounding you and pounding you and pounding you and wearing down the clock, just looking at it, it was 27 to seven at halftime. So the second half was just punching the mouth, just keep you on your heels. And, and that's, that's the kind of player Mark Ingram has kind of always been. Mark Ingram might be a guy that, that can help you uh, week to week. He could get you the double digits that you need uh, maybe out of a second running back or a flex position. Again, Houston's going to play Jacksonville again and looking at that entire division. And before we started recording, Pat and I talked about it. Everybody lost in that division this week. Houston is now the division leader and to see them turn it around in one week and, and look like a legit team, albeit maybe against a really poor team. Uh, I think Mark Ingram could be a guy you could, maybe put on your roster. And and again, I think he's going to be a, a great player for you. One of the guys that you mentioned, though, when you were talking about the game was Carlos Hyde. And, and I know that we didn't really have him in our waiver wire sort of conversation, mostly because once Travis Etienne went down, I think Robinson was very heavily drafted. And I believe Carlos Hyde was, was drafted in most leagues. So we really didn't include Hyde in this segment anyway for waiver wire because he's probably not on most waiver wires. But go out and check. And if he is on a waiver on your waiver wire, he's definitely one of these guys um, that we could throw into this group here that you could add. It does look like Urban Meyer, for whatever reason, just does not want to give James Robinson the ball. I know that, uh, again, with the game script being what it was and Jacksonville being down early and being down big, that really doesn't fit for what James Robinson does. So I do see him being a little bit better uh, in the weeks to come. But the truth of the matter is Carlos Hyde was given the ball more than James Robinson was. So, uh, you know, take that for what it is. And uh, again, if Hyde is out there in your league, uh, go ahead and scoop him up and he could take over as the lead back for, for, I mean, I say take over. He technically was the lead back. I know they only rushed the ball 16 times, but he had, uh, he had nine of those rushes. So Carlos Hyde looks to maybe be taking a little bit of a, a lead in that offense in Jacksonville. And again, new coach, uh, some players aren't their guy. Some players are their guy. Obviously, Etienne going down, that was the expected guy. It'll be interesting to see what shakes out of Jacksonville. Looks like the wide receivers are going to get their targets, so you might want to dive on that. Yeah, well, if they keep uh, yeah, if they keep going, getting down big the way they did in this game, that's definitely possible. Yep, so they could be a they, <laughs> fantasy gold mine. You're hearing it now. Jacksonville wideouts. <laughs> Speaking of wideouts, let's uh, let's get into our wide receiver waiver pickups for this week. There was a couple of guys out there that uh, impressed in week one, and and we know that week one isn't always the uh, sort of sign that this is the way things are going to be for the rest of the season. But you can't just ignore the usage numbers in week one because they, like I said, they do tell us 
um, you know, some of the things that preseason hasn't told us. And, and when the games count, coaches go with the guys that they can count on. So our first waiver wire pickup at wide receiver this week is uh, Mike Williams from the Los Angeles Chargers. Williams actually outscored Keenan Allen this week, who, you know, obviously we all know Keenan Allen is, is one of those, you know, top 10 or so wide receivers that are drafted every year. Williams had 12 targets to Keenan Allen's 13. They both played the exact number of, of snaps. They, they played, you know, 80% of, of the snaps for the team. And Williams has always been a really talented guy. And I don't think that anybody ever really doubted his talent. I think with Williams, you know, it was always more, can he stay healthy? And, you know, luckily for him, he did through week one. Uh, hopefully that, that continues for him because I do think that, um, you know, Williams, I heard a stat and I don't exactly remember where I heard it, but uh, Mike, Will Mike Williams is one of the few wide receivers in the NFL that have a 1,000 yard season and a 10 touchdown season. And unfortunately for him uh, and for fantasy owners, I guess, those two seasons were not the same season. So, um, <laughs> you know, he, he has the ability to be a, a stud, a star receiver. And I think that if Justin Herbert turns out to be as good as he showed in his rookie season that he could be, I think that he could very easily support two fantasy relevant wide receivers. And Mike Williams could be that guy that ends up being a wide receiver too for you or, or a very solid flex play. So if he's available on your waiver wire, um, again, he, he probably isn't in most leagues, but if he is available, he's a, a guy that you definitely need to get out there and grab as soon as possible before somebody snags him. If I remember back in a day, yeah, okay. He was uh seventh pick overall 2017 out of Clemson. And he was going to be, uh, he had the potential to be a generational guy. Um, I'm actually looking at his stats now. You said that Pat, yeah, it, 2018 was the 10 touchdown season. Uh, he followed that up in 2019 with only two touchdowns, but over a thousand yards. So he's still young. He's only 26. He's 6'4, 218 listed. So, you know, there's some, some leeway there. He's got the total package. It's just a matter of putting it together. And I think this quarterback is going to be able to be the one to find, you know, a way to unlock that. Again, last year with Justin Herbert, 15 games, he, he caught 48 balls, uh, close to 800 yards. He had five touchdowns. He's making plays downfield. It's a matter of if he holds on to it or not. Uh, another guy who had a lot of targets in week one was, and it was a little surprising to me, but I'm not sure why, was Sterling Shepard. He had nine targets, he actually <laughs> led the Giants in targets. He led the Giants actually in all receiving categories, targets, uh, receptions, yards, touchdowns. He was actually the only Giant to score uh, a touchdown in, in week one. He was seven for 113 in a touchdown and um, actually had a conversation with a, a friend of mine who is getting back into fantasy football for the first time in uh, a few years. And he, he actually texted me and said, Hey, uh, how come Sterling Shepard is sitting out there on, on waivers and the site that we're using hasn't projected for like 15 points? And I said, well, Kenny Galladay is still new to the team. He's still getting used to, you know, New York and he may not necessarily be Daniel Jones's number one target for the first week. Shepard's a guy who is got great hands. Uh, he's a good athlete. He's always been a trusted guy in New York. You know, as it turns out, 15 points was actually undershooting what he scored. So he went out and, and picked up Shepard in, in our league and uh, started him week one and, and was happy with the results. Kind of wish that, uh, you know, maybe we hadn't had that conversation. He was still out there because I would definitely scoop him up. I think that um, I don't believe that by the end of the year, Shepard is the highest scoring fantasy receiver of the Giants receiving core. But uh, I do think that he does have a solid year. And the fact that, like I said, Daniel Jones trusts him, he's going to get his targets. He's, he's going to probably average, you know, somewhere in that seven to eight targets per game range. And he's going to have these type of games where he has, a, you know, a decent stat line. Yeah, he's been it's 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 hard to say. I mean, yeah, I mean, Sterling Shepard has I'm I'm a. I'm an anti uh, non-Eagle NFC East guy, so I won't ever pick him up. But he's been like the wide receiver version of uh, like a Gio Bernard. Like he's always kind of been hanging out there and puts up some decent stats. And I mean, like, you know, when you go back and look at him, and you say, well, yeah, why wouldn't you have this guy in your roster? I mean, he's, 
six-year pro. This is his sixth year. He's he's a guy that just is always there. Like he does stuff, not flashy. His first year, he was uh, highly targeted. He was you know uh, 105 targets. That was back in 2016, 2018, 107 targets. So yeah, he's always had the high rate. Like he's always a guy who is available. They signed Galladay. He was already banged up in camp, and he's another guy who just has a little trouble staying healthy. Darius Slayton is a monster wide receiver for that team. But again, he was seven targets. He only caught three balls. To see Sterling Shepard get nine targets, make seven receptions for over 100 yards and a touchdown. This is a now here's a guy to sound like Chris Collins, where here's a guy. Here's a guy who could very well be uh, the wide receiver one for that team. And if they stink and they're trailing and they're throwing and they're giving Daniel Jones every option to show that, hey, look, this is your year to put up or shut up as far as our franchise quarterback. That being the case, he could really blow the world away with targets and receptions and just, again, be the best player on a bad team, uh, best wide receiver on a bad team. And you're starting to see that if that running back isn't healthy and isn't going to get there for a couple more weeks, take those points. Get that guy. Go out and get Sterling Shepard. Yeah, absolutely. So another guy who had a, a pretty good week one, albeit not on as many targets, but uh, you know, definitely some <clears throat> seemed to be Carson Wentz's go-to guy when he needed it was Zach Pascal. He ended up with five targets, had four catches for 43 yards, but two of those four catches were for touchdowns. Pascal was one of those guys, I think, you know, when T.Y. Hilton, we found out T.Y. Hilton was not going to be playing week one. I know that I had sort of high hopes for Michael Pittman. Those those hopes were sort of uh, maybe misplaced. Zach Pascal seemed to be the the guy that Carson Wentz was looking for. Uh, like I said, when it counted, he definitely turned in a good performance. And I think he definitely warrants a look if, uh, if you need help at the wide receiver position. He's somebody who could definitely, you know, give you that, that safe floor. He's going to see his targets each game. And obviously Carson Wentz likes him uh, in the red zone. Yeah. Uh, my old Bronco. Love you, Carson. Uh, I know you had a little, a uh, little bit of a rough start there. You had a, you had a tough fumble on a uh, fourth and distance, uh, you know, to, to kind of hurt your, your game there, but uh, definitely to see Carson Wentz. I know a lot of people feel that uh, in the past, he's been a guy who does lock on to a receiver. Obviously, with Zach Ertz having the career that he had over a few years, uh, he was a guy he locked on to. If he has this much faith in a guy like this in the red zone, which also computes to, you know, down and distance for a first down, the same concept. And when we've all seen him out there. We've seen him make a few plays here and there through the seasons uh, as far as you know, Indianapolis and their offense, it's always been just kind of a, they're there. They're there if you need them. Jonathan Taylor was the big name coming out and Michael Pittman Jr. obviously this year, but to see over the last two years where Pascal had uh, 72 and 71 targets respectively in 19 and 20, he averaged over 13 yards a catch. So he's, he's a bona fide, like solid wide receiver to see Wentz putting that much faith in him in week one, four out of five targets. You had the running backs targeted out of the backfield and Carson tends to uh, look to his running backs as far as wheel routes and, and different things like that. You know, when it came to Wentz, he, he had some issues in training camp. So he's just trying to get caught up with people that he can get in touch with. Looks for the open receiver. There he is, uh, Zach Pascal. He got two touchdowns. If he's trusting him near the goal line and he's going to be his number one most targeted wide receiver, uh, I think he's a guy you definitely want to pick up, put him on your roster, hang on to him. If you can get a number one wide receiver off of any roster, always worth having on your team. Yeah, absolutely. I think as of right now, I think Pascal is the is the number one because he was in on 90% of the team's offensive snaps. So I think while T.Y. Hilton is gone and, and maybe even after he gets back, he knows he's he's definitely looks like he's going to be a part of the offense. Uh, one more guy who had a really good game, uh, again, not necessarily on a ton of targets, uh, was Arizona's Christian Kirk. Very similar line to Pascal. He had uh, five targets. He did catch all five of his targets uh, for 70 yards and two touchdowns. I mean, that wide receiver room in Arizona is is full of talented guys. 
some young, some old, but Christian Kirk is definitely one of those guys who was drafted high. And, you know, he's, he's always been a guy who has produced in bits and, and pieces for Arizona. And I think, you know, week one was just another reason why, you know, Christian Kirk is, is a guy, especially, you know, maybe it's a little late now for, for drafting best ball leagues, but he's a guy that you always target late in best ball drafts because of weeks like this, there's definitely going to be more weeks like this. Um, throughout the season. And, and, you know, some of those weeks may fall to Rondell Moore. Some may fall to AJ Green. Obviously, DeAndre Hopkins is going to get his, but Kirk is, is another one of those guys where uh, you pick him up and you have a, a good matchup that week. He's a guy who could slip in there for a flex consideration or like a, a bye week fill in. I don't, I don't think he's somebody you're going to want to start every week. But again, if you, if you drafted, you know, a, a wide receiver like Michael Pittman, for example, I'm not saying drop Pittman because I do think he has better days ahead, but putting a guy like Christian Kirk on your bench to lessen the blow that you're suffering with the way Pittman's first week sort of turned out. Kirk is one of those guys who can produce with the, the few opportunities that he's given usually. Christian Kirk. Yeah. He's a guy who for years, uh, and when I say years, you know, a couple has been a guy you're looking to see if he can get over the hump. He makes some big plays, some long touchdowns, which in your league will get you probably a touchdown bonus. But now to see him be in that room, and Pat, you said it, that room is stacked. I mean, when you go down the list of people, Rondale Moore is is a name everybody talked about. And obviously we know DeAndre Hopkins. A.J. Green was getting a lot of hype out of training camp that he looked healthy and he looked a little bit like the AJ Green of old. He's never going to be back to his full stat line that he was when he was in his prime. But again, seeing uh, Christian Kirk out there making five catches on five targets, he didn't drop a ball, two touchdowns, 70 yards. To me, he's a guy who you can definitely have as a 1 8 to D hop because Hopkins is going to run into some coverage uh, here and there. And, and I mean, over the last couple of years looking again at what he's put up uh you know based off of targets and things like that christian kirk has pretty good hands uh, he's a guy who is getting targeted already and, and it's a it's a very dynamic offense they went out there and shredded tennessee uh in week one uh they still have a decent little running game as well so again with james connor and chase edmonds uh they can definitely make some things happen all right, so let's move into the uh, the tight ends before we get to our starts and sits of the week. We just want to a couple tight ends that's, that sort of stuck out to us watching the games and and then obviously reviewing some of the stats afterwards. The first one we're going to talk about is Farrell Brown for the uh, Houston Texans. He ended up being second on the team in targets, tied with Danny Amendola uh, with five targets. Only had four for sixty-seven. Not not the huge you know game, but the fact that. Tyrod Taylor was looking for him, even in a game where they really didn't have to throw much in the second half. Uh, it shows that he sort of is the tight end in Houston. And again, we don't necessarily believe that this game is indicative of the way that Houston's season is going to turn out. They are still on paper, one of the worst teams in the league, uh, especially defensively. And, uh, you know, when they start playing against some, some, stiffer offensive competition. I do believe that teams are going to put points on the board against them and they are going to have to throw uh, in those games to come back. Right now it's it's Brandon Cooks one and then, you know, like I said, sort of Farrell Brown and, and Danny Amendola as the the second option. So uh, there's a chance that he could turn out to be a, a, a very solid tight end start week to week. I couldn't agree more. I, again, I know they have a lot of ebb and flow going in Houston right now. And I know we were on the James Robinson train and felt like, you know, last week uh, going into this week, Houston was just going to be an afterthought. Too much turmoil, too many things going on. And and again, you look at a quarterback like Tyrod Taylor, who was, I'm one of the first, I, I you know, he's underappreciated for his career. He's never been that guy that you really, you know, you really put your faith in, but to see him, uh, step up and do what he did yesterday again against possibly a very bad Jacksonville team. I, I think they are being tied for the second most targets on the team. Whether you're a bad team or not in the NFL, you're still putting up points. You know, some teams put up oh, 10 points a game and they have a horrible game. They get blown out. 
but there's got to be one, maybe two guys on the roster that put up some numbers. This could be that team. Uh, he might be sitting around because he's not as glamorous of a pickup. Uh, he could turn out to be a little bit of a thing. And if he's getting you double digits at tight end, then I think that he is that kind of player that just you want to keep on your roster because if you don't use him, somebody else might need him. And again, he could get you something you need. But Farrell Brown, put him on your roster. Maybe not spending the bucks. Maybe not spending the waiver priority. Get him on your roster either through waivers or after they clear. The last two guys that we're going to talk about, both on the same team, there's a little bit of, uh, I'm just going to caveat this with a little bit of, of trepidation. That Packer Saints game was not at all what I expected. I know that it's not what most people expected, that that probably got the most reaction of any game over the weekend. And um, the Packers were terrible. The Saints put up a ton of points with not very many plays even being ran on the offensive side of the ball. But when the plays were ran on the offensive side of the ball, only 20 pass attempts for Jameis Winston. Six of those targets went to Adam Troutman, tight end. And uh, I don't necessarily know that Troutman is going to remain the, the target leader on that team. It's very possible that he could while Michael Thomas and Traquan Smith are out. But he didn't really do a whole lot with him. Uh, another tight end on that roster, Juwan Johnson, only had three targets, but did a lot more with his. He had he had three catches for 21 yards, and two of those catches were touchdowns. So I think that you know we haven't really seen the true Saints offense. That that game, like I said, was sort of just a it was just an outlier, and and I'm not really taking a whole lot from it. But uh, Adam Troutman for me is he led all, like I said, he led all the pass catchers on the team with six targets. He is a, a, an outstanding athlete, um, just completely dominated in college. And um, I think he's a guy who could potentially be a really solid tight end for you. Juwan Johnson, like I said, he, he, he produced with the targets that he had. And I think that if that continues, then he becomes a guy that James Winston can trust and, uh, a guy that he may look to more in the future. So those are also two guys that you can add just as sort of wait and see type guys. You leaned uh, closer, I think, Pat, to one guy. I leaned the other. I think both are solid pickups this week because, again, this is a weird game. This is a marquee matchup, and to see it so one-sided, uh, albeit New Orleans at home, and, again, there were a lot of issues with the Packers coming out of camp with Rodgers. Just to say the least, uh, I know the coaching staff in Green Bay has been considered a little bit suspect. Uh, and again, there's questions there. But uh, to see these two guys, uh, again, account for nine total targets, obviously they're going to spread the wealth. And, and maybe Jameis Winston finally had that chance to be on a team that has the weapons to really, really put around them good coaching staff, a quarterback whisperer, uh, so to speak, uh, with Sean Payton. And you get to sit behind uh, Drew Brees for a year. Um, again, Drew Brees, no slouch, uh, a, an all-timer at the position. I myself would lean a little more on the Jawan Johnson. To see a guy who comes out and catches three of three, so the hands are there right off the bat, to make both of those touchdowns, if the yardage isn't there, it's one thing. But to see a guy get two touchdowns out of his three receptions, obviously you're being trusted. You're in the red zone. You're a go-to player. And we just touched on it. Obviously, Kamara attracts a lot of attention from, from defenders. And your Michael Thomases of the world aren't really existent right now. Juwan Johnson is, in theory, going to finish number four this week for tight ends. And that's three catches, 21 yards, two touchdowns. He's owned in 5% of the league. Again, he's a guy that I think you could totally pick up. And Troutman may be the higher uh, priority for a lot of people because they look at his targets. They look at the potential like pat said he looks like he's that next level tight end if he's healthy and he gets the option he could be on a a dallas goddard a, a mark andrews that that level where he's a top 10 guy absolutely um for me personally i i would lean Jawan johnson i don't think you could go wrong with either guy because new orleans love him or hate him they put up points they're going to get your guy involved and again 
you can always make moves down the road. Adam Troutman, definitely. Juwan Johnson, don't sleep on him. All right, so that's pretty much what we have for our waivers for this week. Uh, there's a couple other guys out there, obviously, uh, who produced in week one. You know, obviously, there's guys out there that you see on your waiver wire, and pay attention to your scoring system as well because there are. I know in one of the leagues I play, and the scoring system is a little bit different than you know what you would consider standard. So uh, make sure that if you you know like like Scott said, if you are getting bonuses for certain things, take that stuff into consideration with your with your big play guys like your Christian Kirks and things like that, that, you know, may be able to get you some of those deeper touchdowns and, and get you some of those bonus points. But right now what we're going to do is we're going to move into our start sits for the week. Uh, we're going to try to move through these pretty quickly. Just give you a couple quick tidbits of, of why we like or don't like the guys that we have in our start sits, not too much on it. These are kind of, uh, they're gut calls, but they're also sort of based off of, you know, maybe matchups or injury factors, guys getting hurt around, you know, some of these players or, or whatnot. So let's start with the, uh, let's start with the quarterback position. Who, uh, who do you have for your start of the week for quarterback? For quarterback, I am looking at one Theodore Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, he's going to finish week one as quarterback 14. Uh, he had a nice game against the Giants. They had decent defense uh, come last year, but you're going to have Denver going against Jacksonville. And we just talked about how putrid they looked as a team to see them, you know, struggle the way that they did. It's it's just going to be hard for that team not to put up points. They could come out to see Tyrod Taylor put up almost 300 yards. And he and Bridgewater are similar guys where they're pocket passers with minimal mobility, Obviously, he's got a little bit more weaponry around the Bridgewater. Judy, I know the injury thing is there, but you still have Hamler. Uh, you still have Melvin Gordon. You still have Noah Font. And I know the backup tight end, who I don't want to attempt to pronounce his name, had a nice game for Robert Denver. O, we'll call him. Yes, That's yes. Let's nickname. just go there. Uh, that guy, uh, tight end too, Denver. Uh, <laughs> almost like QB Eagles back in the day for those Tech Mobile fans. Uh, yeah, no, to, to definitely see uh, his ability. He's a veteran. He's another guy. He's just same thing with Taylor. Like they're smart quarterbacks. And again, for them to let the game come to them, they're not in a hurry. Uh, and you're going into a situation now where coming off of 0-1, losing a division game and Jacksonville has to go home and listen to their crowd turn out and be a little ticked off after the whole team Trevor stuff. Yeah, I think I think Teddy Bridgewater is probably going to be a top 12. All right. And I'm going to go with Justin Herbert. I, I know that I had him as a sit last week and, and technically I was, that was one of the ones that I hit on. He, he had an okay game, but it wasn't great. Um, not definitely not what you drafted him to be. Uh, but this week versus the Cowboys, the Cowboys defense is, is just, they're, they're a team that you want to start your pass catchers against the, the game scripts with the Cowboys are always very similar the Cowboys are going to score. Their defense is going to be bad. And I think that Justin Herbert is, you know, an easy start this week against Dallas. So for your, your quarterback sit of the week, who, uh, who are you thinking for that? Uh, well, you're, you're not going to like this. Um, I, I hate to kind of lean that way, but uh, I'm going to say sit Matt Ryan, you know, for some people, he was a fill in. Uh, he's always been a borderline top 10, top 12 quarterback. I just feel like, you know what, watching him in week one, that offense, that offensive line, he looks like he could be cooked. I mean, the Eagles came in there and just stomped him. He didn't have a lot of time. He didn't have a lot of time to throw. There's no Julio. So now right away, it's Ridley one, Pitts two. They drove down the field. They got two field goals and looked a little bit normal in the first couple drives. And by halftime, that game was over. Yeah, definitely. He he definitely looked terrible in, in week one. I'm going to go with Jared Goff. I know is that's probably not much of a stretch, but um, you know you may see Jared Goff. <laughs> you may see Jared Goff sitting out there on your waivers. You like Goffin, don't you? Yeah, you may see him sitting out there on your waivers and think, oh, he's you know, right now I think he's like the sixth sixth highest scoring quarterback. You might be tempted to pick him up and start him. Listen, I I think that you know what you saw at the end of that game was the Niners sort of just playing off and and sort of letting the Lions, you know, kind of 
playing that the the bend but but don't break defense where Jared Goff racked up a lot of stats in that game. I know that the Packers defense gave up uh, a lot of fantasy points to Jameis Winston this week, but I I don't see I see the Packers again kind of being ticked off and and kind of coming back and um, really putting the screws to the Lions in week two and uh, it's going to be a Monday night game so you know they're going to be tuned up for that and I just I think Jared Goff is uh, an easy sit for week two. Yeah, that's a division game. Green Bay is not going to go down. All right, moving on to running backs. Let's go with your start for the week. All right. Uh, last week, I was not I was not high on DeAndre Swift. Uh, I felt that coming off of a preseason groin injury and everything felt like the Niners were going to crush and, and whatnot. With him, uh, he was heavily involved. He and Jamal Williams combined for almost 50 points out of the running back position, uh, which is really scary. Actually, uh, again, before tonight ends between Ravens and Raiders, Jamal Williams was the RB2 in our league, and DeAndre Swift was the RB4. I I know we just talked about it on the back end of the Jared Goff, and I said, you know, Green Bay is not going to sit down for that. But to see that Green Bay gave up 171 yards rushing to New Orleans, I feel like those two running backs, some form of that combination. Uh, again, I, I, I hate to hedge my bets, but I know coaching staff said one and one A, and to see that a lot of that was in slop. It was it was it was in what you want to consider, you know, comeback time and, and everything else. If the same thing happens again and Green Bay comes out and punches them in the mouth, they're going to be heavily involved. Both players can run the ball. Both players can catch the ball. doesn't matter how good or bad the Lions are as far as a true NFL scoreline, but for fantasy, if they're putting up those types of points week after week, uh, you're going to be drooling over having one, if not both of those guys possibly in your lineup. Uh, I would take either one. Personally, I'll lean a little more Jamal Williams. Both of those guys being involved with that quarterback, uh, I think to me right now, uh, they're guys you need to have on roster, period. Start either DeAndre Swift or Jamal Williams, if not both. Yeah, I think Swift is an auto start in most leagues just because of where he was drafted. And I think that uh, I do like the call with Jamal Williams. I do think that he's going to uh, he's going to continue to receive touches in that offense. So I like that call. I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with Naheem Hines uh, from the Colts. I think that uh, Carson Wentz has always shown a propensity to sh- to sort of uh, try to complete passes, whether they be two tight ends. Uh, you know, like you you mentioned in a previous podcast about how Zach Ertz broke the tight end receiving record with Carson Wentz as his quarterback. Wentz is is a pass completer. Uh, Naheem Hines is a great pass catcher, and going against the Rams this week. I sort of see a similar game script this week for the Colts as Detroit had last week against the 49ers. And so I could see the Rams sort of putting the screws to them, getting up pretty big, and the Colts needing to be in like a hurry-up two-minute offense for most of the second half. And that is where Naheem Hines shines. I could definitely see him having a ton of targets and catches and um, scoring a decent amount of fantasy points this week. All right. You're set for the week for running backs. I'm going to say, let's try to fade a little bit on that. Jonathan Taylor, he averaged 3.3 yards of carry. Now, again, week one, hard to tell what, what is possible, what's impossible for him. Uh, He did make six of seven catches uh six catches on seven targets for 60 yards but overall uh you know again he just seemed eh. and a lot of people myself included felt like uh he had top five running back potential i know it's week one i get that to see that he's going to be you know going into a matchup that is maybe not hyper favorable for him and to see naeem hines being as involved as he is and that Yes, Wentz isn't going to lean on somebody as much as just look to make the best play possible. If you're one of those people that happen to get involved and and you know have uh, have multiple uh, multiple top tier running backs, you're you're good to go. But if he's a flex option, I, I think he can go better because the Rams on offense and defense just looked superb. And they may be the home team, but uh, right now it's looking like they might go zero and two. 
Uh, and once that game script gets out of hand and, and suddenly the Rams are up maybe 15, 20 points, he's going to look for every option. It's not going to be a run-heavy Jonathan Taylor, 35 carries, and he gets over 100 yards. I hope I'm wrong, but, but I would say Jonathan Taylor. My set for the week is uh, I'm going to go with another guy that you probably drafted high. I'm going to go with Saquon Barkley this week against Washington. Washington was second best against running backs as far as fantasy points allowed last year. Barkley still not doesn't look like he's 100%, didn't get a ton of carries and targets, just not the workload that you would expect you know, for a guy like Saquon Barkley. So until I see a little bit more from him, uh, and especially against the solid defense who just lost their quarterback and now knows that they're they're going to have to win games on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, I really I don't really like Barkley this week. Again, you may not be able to necessarily sit him, but I wouldn't expect a big week from Barkley this week at all. All right, moving on to wide receivers. Your wide receiver start of the week. Uh, I'm looking at going to Green Bay and I'm looking at uh, Valtez Scandling. Uh, I feel like, again, he led the Packers in targets with eight. You look at Detroit's secondary, and they were beat up pretty good throughout the game, uh, especially in the first half. Uh, they lost Jeff Okuda, uh, one of their top cornerbacks. He's out with Achilles. He's gone. So most likely they key on trying to keep Devontae Adams under wraps. But again, to see that many targets and to know coming out of training camp that he was highly touted as one of Aaron Rodgers' big guys that he would lean on. And again, as long as that works out, you know, and, and Aaron Rodgers is still Aaron Rodgers. And last week just was what it was. Uh, I think Valdez Scandling will be a, a definite start at, at wide receiver. I'm going to go with another pass catcher or a pass catcher in that same Dallas Cowboys game. I'm going to be picking a lot of players to start and, and sit, mostly start against Dallas uh, this year. Obviously, her, I took Herbert as my start for quarterback. I just think that Again, this is the, one of those games where it's probably going to be high scoring, probably going to be a lot of passes thrown. And uh, if Mike Williams is out there on your waiver wire, like we just talked about, he could easily be a guy that you pick up this week and start this week versus Dallas and are very happy with the production that you get from him. All right. So who do we think is not going to do so well at the wide receiver position this week? A guy who has always left a bad taste in my mouth. I know you're a fan and you did profit off him this week, I believe. But Tyler Lockett is going to be my sit. I know that Seattle is a pretty solid offense. And to see that him and Metcalf had the same amount of targets, Lockett had a 69-yard touchdown. Uh, so you take that away. He was three for 31 with another touchdown because he was a pretty, pretty important part of the offense when it came to scoring touchdowns for Seattle. But again, to know that the three for 31 – you know, looking at that, you're talking about three and catches. You're talking about 30 yards. So there's six, six, 12. So that puts him like at a decent number. He's like maybe a 10, 12, 14 point guy. But now when he had the big play for the second touchdown, the extra reception, uh, I feel like now the teams are going to look at that. They don't want to get beat over the top. Metcalf's just going to murder him underneath. To me, I, I feel like Tyler Lockett would be my sit. Fair enough. I'll, I'll take that into consideration this week when I set my lineup. You're welcome. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and sit uh, Michael Pittman. Again, the week he had last week, I, I don't think many people are going to be starting him, and I, I don't think you should start him again this week. Going up against that Rams defense, I know that Jalen Ramsey isn't really shadowing number one receivers, uh, but even if that was the case, Pittman technically listed as their, their number one. He's not getting the targets. He doesn't appear to be getting open on a lot of his routes, and uh, against that Rams defense where the pass rush is going to be coming quick. If you if you looked at that Bears game on Sunday night, Andy Dalton was getting rid of the ball really, really quickly. And Michael mm -hmm. Pittman is one of those guys who is a little bit more of a uh, down-the-field type of target. I just don't see the Colts having a lot of time to to let those routes down the field develop and really do anything for Michael Pittman. So I definitely would not be starting him this week against the Rams. All right, so moving to the tight end position. Uh, go ahead, who you, who you got this week for tight end? Uh, my tight end, um, I know some people might feel a different kind of way, but uh, you hear San Francisco and you think, oh, God, the best defense in the history of the universe from a couple years back. 
Now, uh, I'm going to start Dallas Goddard. Uh, he has to be in your lineup no matter what. And for a lot of people, he will be. But if you're hesitating, thinking San Fran, just looking at like what TJ Hawkins put up, he put up eight receptions near 100 yards and a touchdown. Some of that was garbage. Some of that wasn't garbage. I went back and looked at his halves and it was pretty much a, an even split. And the touchdown was in the first half when they were still slightly in the game, so to speak. Looking at Goddard and what he put up, I don't think he's going to be locked into having to do his normal blocking gig as much, where he made a lot of his bones through his career doing a block and roll out. Dallas Goddard, I think, is going to be a no-brainer start. He could end up being, again, he was a top five wide receiver. I think he has a potential to be wide receiver one this week against San Francisco because I don't think anybody knows what they can do to stop Philadelphia's offense right now. And again, as long as they do what they do, Goddard is going to be a start and absolute probably a number one. Yeah, I'm going to go um, again. This this may seem very obvious, uh, especially considering he was the tight end one last week. But uh, I think you got to stick with Rob Gronkowski this week. Again, he may not have been drafted to be, uh, you know, your starting tight end. Maybe he was just a guy that you took a flyer on because he's still, you know, with Tom Brady and, and you know, they started to get together at the end of the year. But those are the exact reasons I'm going to start him, along with the fact that they're going against Atlanta. And uh, as you just said, uh, the game that Dallas Goddard had against Atlanta this past week just yeah. proves that Atlanta has not done anything to shore up their defense and they're still giving up yards and touchdowns. And I think Gronk at least finds the end zone one time this week. And in what I believe is going to be a, a route of the Atlanta Falcons by the Bucks. Yep. Uh, couldn't agree with you more. All right, so who who are you who are you sitting this week? Uh, kills me to say it. He was uh, my number one pick in our league, but again, we're we're just banging Atlanta. It's not hard to do. Uh, I'm sitting Kyle Pitts this week. I, I can't do it in my league unless unless I get somebody better. But for me, it's just that offense is just really just unpredictable. There's there's no idea what's going on. It looks like they can't sustain an offense right now. Uh, I, I don't know if it was just the Philly thing or not, but to go against a uh, division game against Tampa, who, again, their defense feels probably a little slighted, and they're going to look to just tee off on Matt Ryan. Again, Kyle Pitts, he was four for eight for 31 yards. So he, he had some issues maybe with the hands, but at the same time right now, I just feel like he can't be trusted until uh, he can establish himself in some way, shape, or form in that offense. Sit Kyle Pitts this week. Yeah, absolutely. I think that Pitts is going to be good eventually, but I think that, yeah, uh, you know, as a rookie, you got to give give him a little bit of time to sort of uh, get his feet wet in the league for sure. I'm going to go with James O'Shaughnessy from the Jacksonville Jaguars. I know that uh, he had a pretty good week in, in week one. A lot of that was uh, during that time when the Jags were trying to come back from the deficit they, that they were down. O'Shaughnessy finished the week as the tight end 10 again, barring Waller and Andrews tonight. So that that's probably going to be somewhere around 12, but uh, as a top 12 tight end, you would think that, that he's a guy you could pick up and start you know, this week against Denver. I just don't think that's going to be the case. Denver's defense did an incredible job against the giants. And uh, I think that that continues in week two. And I just, I don't think O'Shaughnessy is a guy who uh, is going to look to get too many targets in, in, in this game. No, uh, again, little Irish on Irish crime right there uh, from McCarthy to O'Shaughnessy. But uh, no, deep down, yeah, it is. Uh, it's going to be a weird year, I think, for Jacksonville. And, and O'Shaughnessy could be a little bit of an outlier, never known for receiving the ball. And uh, I think he was predicted to be behind Chris Manhurts as the de facto number one tight end. But, you know, it's hard to tell if if – uh, Trevor Lawrence is looking for a checkdown guy because of the offense and getting used to it. Maybe he has some value throughout the year, uh, but to maybe put up the stats he did in week one, I wouldn't bank on him every week. And yeah, looking at the matchup, I, I think you sit O'Shaughnessy. All right. And the, the streaming defense or the defense that you would start this week? I mean, <laughs> some different ones popped up out of the blue. Um, I'll be honest. Uh, and again, just to jump on a team and, and maybe hate to be a little bit of a homer, but uh, I'm going to take the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, what they did, I mean, granted, they held a bad Atlanta team to six points. 
I get that. It's Atlanta. They're bad. They're at home with a lot of momentum. They got San Fran coming in who looked reasonable in offense against, the, again, another bad team. To me, the Eagles defense did enough last week to prove that they are legit. Jonathan Gannon seems to have a lot uh, more aggression uh, going forward and, and his adaptability and the whole coaching staff uh, might be able to make that work. Uh, the Niners don't scare me losing Raheem Mostert as we started the show. Uh, they're going to have a little bit of ebb and flow. Uh, as long as you can keep Debo uh, from taking your chain, I, I think the Philadelphia Eagles have uh, a pretty good shot to be a start as far as defenses this week. All right. And I'm going to double down and, and I'm probably going to regret doing this, but um I'm going to start the Packers this week. I know I said to start them last week, and that was a terrible, terrible call. But uh, I think because of that call, because of how embarrassed Green Bay was in week one, mm. I think that they, like I said, they really come back and play well against Detroit. The San Francisco defense, even though they gave up all of those points at the end of the game, still ended up scoring uh, a decent amount of fantasy points due to the touchdown that the uh, pick six that they scored. Goff has always been a guy who does tend to turn the ball over from time to time. And, and again, if it gets into a game script where Green Bay comes out and scores and the Lions have to do what they did the, this past week and, and sort of catch up, the more pass attempts, uh, the more chance for interceptions and, and turnovers. And I think that uh, the Green Bay Packers will take advantage of that this week. So I'm starting the Packers versus the Lions this week. Good move. All right, our defensive sits of the week. You know, you, you go to look around and, and and you look at different teams and watching them last week. I know they're considered a like a top ten, a, a top twelve defense, but they did they did lose to a, what some people would think is a suspect team, and now they got to go to Arizona. Do not start the Minnesota Vikings. You lost to Cincinnati in overtime. Your offense looks reasonable. Your defense is highly suspect. I know people are living off of previous seasons where you looked at uh, Minnesota being one of the top-tier defenses from 2017, 18, and so forth, but they seem to have lost a step unless they just fell asleep and gave up on Cincinnati. Sit the Vikings this week. You have no shot of keeping points low against Arizona. Uh, you could end up negative if you take the Vikings. Yeah, that's uh... – that's the way Arizona looked, that's that I, I would probably sit even the best of defenses against them yep. and, and look for a better option. Kyler Murray is already the uh, odds on favorite for MVP this year. So that's a great call. Uh, I'm actually going to uh, sit the other defense in the game that you said to start the defense. And I'm going to take the San Francisco 49ers. I know that, yes, um, sir. <laughs> I know that the Niners and this, they said this, this may totally seem like a Homer call from, from both of us, but uh, <laughs> the Niners, it's not, it's not, I swear. <laughs> the Niners, uh, you know, they, they, like I said, they did have that pick six and, and they do have a solid defense, but I think Jalen hurts being a quarterback who is extremely mobile you know, like you said, I think we mentioned, I don't know if we talked about it on air, but before, I think maybe before we started, uh, we talked about the Niners losing their star defensive back, uh, Jason Verrett for the season with uh, an Achilles injury. Yeah. Uh, I, I just, I don't really see anybody who is going to be able to, to guard Devonte Smith. He, he looked. Oh, you know, no, that's my boy. That's my boy. <laughs> Speaking your language now. Yes, um, sir. I don't think this is going to be a high-scoring game personally, which is usually bodes well for the defenses. But the Eagles didn't turn the ball over in week one. I don't think they're going to turn it over in week two. And I think that this is one of those games where until the Eagles sort of fall out of grace, I guess, uh, I'm, I really don't want to start any defenses against them. They just seem like they sort of found a rhythm on offense and, and it's something I would rather stay away from if given the opportunity you are correct sir and it just so happens that it's our team all right so that is our waiver wire and start sits for uh week two hopefully this helps you guys you know get out there and and make some moves and and hopefully put the the right uh people in your lineup this week you got anything anything you want to put out there before we 
Uh, no, I mean, you know, again, we're, we're trying to put out some info based on our opinion, some statistics, some gut. But again, it's week one. It's still a little hard to call. Obviously, the injuries will play into it on offense and defense, whether it puts somebody a little further back on the depth chart up on offense or on defense if suddenly they lose a star player, uh, some, let alone if you're playing a defense, but to know that your offense uh, now has an advantage. So now you maybe look for your player or somebody on the waiver wire. And I, I know we both hit on it earlier. Waiver wire isn't just there for players to replace people. Look for assets, build your team, whether it's making trades or to make your team better while somebody else's can't get better. Pick up those players we talked about. Pick up a player you like, and again, it'll help you down the road. We wish you the best of luck on the season, unless you're playing us. Uh, go Birds. And again, we we totally feel that, uh, again, our help will will put you over the hump week to week to win your league. Absolutely, man. All right, so we are going to sign off for the day. Thank you guys for listening, and we hope you come back and uh, and listen to us again next week. Hopefully, some of the calls that we made were right, and you, know, you, you get something out of this. So until next week, peace out. Peace.